You're listening to the Guess Off My Soapbox podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We want to make the world a better place and share life-educated opinions and have discussions on various topics. Welcome your host. He is a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and always wants to know, how's your integrity today? Mad Morgan! Happy Wednesday, folks. Thank you for joining me for Get Off My Soapbox podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Mad Morgan. And today, being our long format show, our Wednesday evening show, I want to thank you for tuning in and listening today. Today, we're going to talk about things a little different. Today, we are going to be discussing video games, a brief history, pros and cons, and what is next. I kind of can relate to this because I've been playing video games since I was a kid, since the early days. I remember having an Atari 2600 and it was just great and I've been playing video games ever since. But today, that's what we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss video games, a brief history, pros and cons, and possibly what is next. Hey, before I get started into this, how is your integrity today? How is your integrity this week? Are you having a good integrity week? Are you setting the positive change and the also positive change the world needs you being the change the world needs let's just let's just sum that up are you being the change the world needs and who knows maybe you're a gamer as well and hopefully that extends beyond the real life into the video game world and you you know have integrity there as well because it makes the game much more fun for everybody if you have a level of decency about you before i get into the show today please check out getoffmysoapbox.com for more information on this show of Get Off My Soapbox, and also our daily soapbox show of Soapbox Daily. More information on that. Also, get over on Twitter, at Matt Soapbox. Check that out as well. Please give your feedback, anything you want to hear, anything you want to talk about. By all means, I invite you to share your two cents on there. I'd love to hear from you. Even send me a DM. Be great. I know some of you have been emailing me because all that contact information is on our website at getoffmysoapbox.com, but you've also been sending me DMs, and I thank you very much. I do appreciate that input. So let's get into today's show. When it comes to video games, it's very interesting and I don't know if anybody really realizes this but the first video game believe it or not was in 1940 I know believe it or not the first video game debuted at the World Fair in New York Edward U. Condon invents he invented a, a, a computer that plays a game NIM against human competitors the computer won of course 90% of the time moving forward a little here we have in 1952 for instance a British professor A.S. Douglas created OXO, also known as Knots and Crosses, or Tic-Tac-Toe, as part of his doctoral assertion, assertion at the University of Cambridge. And in 1958, William, forgive me if I pronounce this right or wrong, uh, Higginbotham created Tennis for Two on a large analog computer and connected oscilloscope screen for the annual visitor's day at the Brookhaven National Library in Upton, New York. Further down the road in 1962, Steve Russell at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology invented Space War, a computer-based computer-based space combat video game for the PDP-1 programmed data processor-1, then a cutting-edge computer mostly found at universities. It was the first video game that could be played on multiple computer installations. Fascinating stuff. Well, moving forward a little further, 1967. Video game meets television. Ralph Beer conceives and builds the Brown Box, a prototype video game console that allows users to play on a TV screen. 
1972, the Magnavox Odyssey launches. And believe it or not, the Magnavox Odyssey was, by all definitions, um, yeah, I would have to say it was the beginning of it all. That was where it all started. The brown box. <laughs> I mean, Beer, who sometimes is referred to as the father of video games, licensed his device to Magnavox, which sold the system to consumers as the Odyssey, the first video game home console in 1972. Over the next few years, the primitive Odyssey console would commercially fizzle out and die, unfortunately. But it was a start. Okay, The same year that the Odyssey went on, on sale, believe it or not, video game maker Atari launches Pong and video game mania takes hold. And then the craziness started where it was hugely competitive moving forward. In 1977, Atari released the Atari 2600, also known as the Video Computer System. A home console that features joysticks and interchangeable game cartridges that played multicolored games, effectively kicking off the second generation of video game consoles. I know I had an Atari 2600 when it was brand new. When it first came out, I was five years old at the time and it was the only thing I wanted that year. And I got a brand new Atari 2600 with a stack of games and it was mind blowing. It was great. And that was my humble beginning. That is where I started into actual gaming back then. I, it was just incredible. Atari came out with like, um, it came out with games like Space Invaders, Donkey Kong and Frogger. I mean, it's just blew the minds of everybody because of what this can do. It was not just limited to one game like the brand box was, but it had so much more to it. So it was really interesting that you could interchange games and play different games and different joysticks. And it, it really, really became really interesting. The thing is though, once this ball started getting rolling, it just, there was a lot of competition. Once the technology was already at that stage for home consoles, everybody started jumping on board, right? So, okay, the Odyssey had its brief moment in the sun. Then the Atari came in. Well, wouldn't you know, it took, what, five, six years later, a bunch of other competitors were out there. And in 1983, there was a saturation of the market and the tragedy of E.T. <laughs> um, you know, the saturation of the market in 1983, the dam finally broke when, when E.T., a game based on the movie, is released for the Atari 2600, Wiley considered the worst game ever made. The company ended up buying thousands. Oh, sorry, my apologies. Not buying, but burying thousands of the game cartridges, cartridges in the New Mexico desert. It was so bad. The market was so saturated at that point that when when ET came out, people were like, "Okay, yeah, we're done with video games." <laughs> But it took a couple years later, uh, the industry got a foothold, okay? In 1985, Nintendo released its NES, and that's when things just started changing at that point. It was, um, yeah, it was that defining moment. Nintendo came around and releases NES, and it was, I mean, Nintendo was a company originally founded in Japan as a playing card company during the late 1880s, believe it or not, and then got into the video game business in the 1970s and revolution, 
revolutionized the industry with NES. The NES games were graphically superior to their predecessors, and the extra memory allowed for multiple levels and storytelling. What was interesting, though, is it didn't take long, if you think about it. It was less than 10 years from when Atari, which was, wow, mind-blowing, in 1977. And then in 1985, if you think about that, that's only like eight years. That's not bad for that whole evolution of gaming. Because if you looked at the Atari, it was great for its time. Color screens, and the graphics, it was both, yeah. But I'll tell you, when the NES launched, it was just crazy, 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 crazy. But there's a lot of other companies that, you know, um, jumped on board when it came to the whole gaming thing, you know. Legends started being born at this point, and they stuck around to even to this day. You know, uh, numerous iconic games were produced for the NES, including Super Mario Brothers, The Legend of Zelda, Final Fantasy, and more. I mean, sequels and spin-offs of these games are still being produced even today in, in 2022, crazy enough. 1988, gaming meets the real world. While games in the 1980s mostly starred fictitious characters and fantasy settings, developers started looking to the real world for a new series. One example, the Madden football series. Um, you had, you know, other sports type series, but they started looking to the real world, making games around real world, world events and sports and activities and events. So, you know, it, it, it's just very interesting. Now they got to have to get inspiration. So, you know how movies get inspiration by events? Now games are getting inspiration by real life. But a lot of people are jumping on board, right? So NES really, really shook up the industry. Along came Sega in 1990, sorry, in 1989, Sega Genesis launched. The next generation of consoles launched in, in 1989 when the, another Japan-based company, Sega, uh, released the Genesis. This introduced us to another classic character, Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic has been seen as more a mature counterpart to Mario, helping win over the older gamers. I mean, I like Genesis. I like Genesis a lot better than I like the NES. The NES was nice and stuff, but the Genesis just had some something to it, had a ruggedness to it. The games and everything else seemed a little more what I was used to growing up in the arcades. To me, that was more enjoyable because it was something I can relate to. But... You know, in, in, in 1991, <laughs> Nintendo turned around and go, oh, okay, Sega, so you want to do this, eh? Okay, here. Well, we like your little Sega Genesis. It's nice and everything else, but boom, here you go. In 1991, Nintendo introduced the Super Nintendo. <laughs> ah, and gaming at this time did take a turn towards a more adult audience. And the reason it did is because a lot of us grew up in the 70s and 80s with video games. And they weren't just for kids anymore. There was a generation growing up against, uh, you know, around gaming. As I said, I've been gaming since I was five years old. And I've seen a lot of changes in the industry. I've been part of that change. I have played every gaming system out there. I've spent time in arcades back in the day. So moving forward... Now things are going mobile. It's not just you're stuck at home in front of the TV. Now yeah, we're going to go mobile. Tend to release the Game Boy and 
other competitions and other competitors decided to do the same thing. It, it was just one of those things. It's the gaming industry was still a boom. It, it was not just arcade games going to an arcade and playing them there. It was not only sitting in your basement playing it on the family TV. Now it's mobile. So now you have Game Boy and all these handheld games. And from there, it decided to move on into the PCs, right? So no longer is it just a console. Now it's PC games. I mean... PC game also took off during the time when it came into the early 90s as technology got more advanced. The early 90s to mid 90s, you know, video games were there uh, and moved over to PCs from just the consoles. And the reason why PC gaming became so great is because it allowed for a little more customization and manipulation when it came to games, which offered something a, a little different element when it came to game when it came to gaming. Frankly, although I grew up with consoles, I still prefer PC gaming. I like keyboard and mouse. I like that level of control. I like to be able to program what does what on the keyboard or the mouse and not just be stuck to press this button, press this button, and that kind of thing that usually when it comes to a console, you're stuck with up to a certain point. But it became an ongoing back and forth. So PC gaming was there now, and it was coming into its infancy in the mid-90s. You know, games like, um, you know, Doom really highlighted that when it came to, to PC gaming. Uh, Macintosh never really, Apple really never got into gaming when it came to their computers because they were more business and creativity, but PC embraced that market. But console games didn't give up. The console market didn't give up. PlayStation was born, and then eventually um, from PlayStation, it moved on to Xbox, but, um, you know, in 1984, the PlayStation was born. The The release of the Sony PlayStation was another generation-defining shift in gaming. The platform brought gaming into a new technological era. CD-based games could store massive amounts of data compared to cartridges, allowing for developers to create longer, more sophisticated games, like the classic, number one classic game by Sony, Final Fantasy VII. I remember playing that non-stop until I completed it. Um, Resident Evil and Metal Gear Solid exemplified the console's then newborn abilities. I mean, the PlayStation changed everything. It had CDs, 3D textures, polygons, and all that cool stuff. And it was nice in a nice little console. PC gaming wasn't there yet. Console, this allowed for a lot of stuff to happen all in the box. And of course, Sony didn't give up on that. PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3. I mean, so, you know, we started off the PlayStation 1 when it was released in 94. And then moving forward, the, the competitors tried to keep up. PlayStation 2 in 2000, PlayStation 3 in 2006, PlayStation 4 in 2013. In 1999, the competitors, Sega, after a series of failed products like the Sega CD and Sega Saturn, which weren't really successful consoles, we're trying to double down, of course, on the Sega Genesis. Um, and then, of course, the Dreamcast. Uh, they All of them died, pretty much. The Dreamcast was great because you could actually hack the darn thing and manipulate it. But it, the Dreamcast was part of the evolutionary process and it allowed for online gameplay, which was mind-blowing. So that was one thing that was really interesting when it came to that. 
But don't get me wrong, you could actually do online gameplay with the PlayStation 2, believe it or not. There was the ability. It was still in its infancy. But, of course, that wasn't released until, you know, 2000. So let's move forward a little more. Now let's get into, of course, the new century. We're into the 2000s now. Microsoft finally jumps in. Microsoft decided to get into the gaming industry, launch its old console, the Xbox. That was in 2001. So a little late in the game between 77 and now. But, you know, Microsoft, because they had a staple in the high tech industry when it came to PCs and technology, when it came to software, that was something else that they decided to get into. Let's make our own gaming console. They made the Xbox. They decided to go with that. And of course, when they released the Xbox, it um, went forward from there. The original Xbox, and then it went to Xbox 360, and then of course the Xbox One, and then that upped the ante into the console wars, pushing at companies like Sega and pitting Microsoft against, you know, Nintendo and Sony. The Xbox also brought us one of the most popular, most popular game franchises of all times, Halo. And it's amazing when an actual company can invent a product and they form a following because of something that they created. And for them, for definitely when it came to Microsoft, it was Halo. I mean, Halo helped helped reinvent the shooter game and popularize online multiplayer gameplay. It was also helped solidify the gaming industry as a commercial juggernaut. 2003, PC players get steamy. In other words, that's when Steam came out. And we all know Steam. Steam's still out today. Steam is like probably the biggest marketplace for PC games. Everything from your indie games to your mainstream games, your big games, you name it. You know what makes it good is that you don't have to buy CDs anymore. You don't have to buy the packaging. You don't have to buy all that. It's electronic. It's there. It's stored. Your computer goes belly up. You don't have to worry about it. You download it again. You install it again. Away you go. And guess what? Your games are saved online as well. Beautiful. (laughs) Okay. So moving forward with this, now we're into the 2000s. And this is when things get really interesting. So we, we covered the history leading up to the 2000s when it came to mainstream gaming, consoles and everything else leading up to where we are now. Now, a lot of gaming these days, for the most part, is done on PCs. Reality is, it is. There is some steadfast console players, that's fine. But a lot of it's still done on PC. When you start looking at big names when it comes to um, those recognized in the gaming industry for streaming, it's done on PC. You look at gaming competitions, it's done on PC. It's never done usually on consoles. Very rarely is it done on consoles. The mainstream stuff is all on PC. So that's where we kind of focus as to recognizing PC as being where technology is when it comes to computers, when it comes to gaming, when it comes to the evolution moving forward. Because computers, you can easily upgrade. Consoles, you can't really upgrade. (laughs) That's part of the reason why they do this. Okay. So, (sighs) Nintendo still tries to stay competitive. Sony still tries to keep competitive. Microsoft still tries to keep themselves in there. 
But gaming, other than consoles, which they keep on coming up with bigger and better models with more power under the hood, it's the same thing. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, beat out the competition, come up with newer technology, new franchises, new, you know, characters and whatnot that are going to get people hooked, get into carrying signs, certain franchises, like whether it's sports games, to basically pull in a certain crowd. Now, <laughs> let's get into moving forward because there's gaming across the board on everything. If it's not on your phone, it, it's going to be in some other format, whether it's a console, whether it's a PC, whatever. Now, this is where we're at. Now, we're, where are we going? I guess that's the question. But in between here, let's look at the pros and cons. The pros and cons of gaming. This is basically what I want to discuss right now. I was always told when I was growing up that... Gaming, video games are a waste of time. I had teachers tell me that, parents tell me that, you know, all these supposed people that knew better, video games were a waste of time and there was no future into it. And we were always constantly told it was a waste of time, it was rotting your brain, it wasn't doing anything good, etc., etc., etc. But they've realized with time that video games actually develop skills, they develop hand eye coordination. They develop um, problem-solving skills. They can help with socialization skills. They can help with a lot of different areas when it comes to the individual. In certain cases, though, it's detrimental, but for the most part, there is a benefit to it. Can you make a career out of gaming? Yes, you could, but don't get me wrong. That's a lot of hard work. So you can make a life now because of the way the evolution of gaming has went. If you are the best of the best, you can actually make money and make a career out of it. It's tough though. It's a tough industry. Some people just stumble on it because they end up realizing they're superior in a game, end up getting on a team, making a name for themselves. And regardless if they win or lose, they end up having an audience and having a fan club. Um, what is that XQC or something like that? QX, I don't know. Some guy that's on Twitch a lot. He's a failed gamer. <laughs> he didn't, he, he went the distance, screwed it up, and some reason has a following. And well, a lot of people like him for some reason, but he's just some Quebec guy from just outside of Montreal that moved to Texas and for some reason he yells at people a lot and is just a really angry individual with a gambling problem. <laughs> so that's not really a good example but supposedly he's making a lot of coins so he's not making it playing video games, he's making it because he's entertaining but that's another story. Gaming can be a positive thing. It can, as I mentioned, can handle uh some benefit in a bunch of different areas, but it can also have detriment in areas as well. When people get too wrapped up in gaming. I've seen a lot of negative negativity and a lot of toxic people when it comes to gaming, especially when there's any form of communication. Whether or not it be voice communication, whether or not it be chat communication, there seems to be a toxic element because people feel a little more brave when they're not face-to-face -face with somebody, so they decide to be really mean to people in games, which kind of ruins the game for people. And you know, it's a shame because games are supposed to be fun, regardless, all right? If you're playing a game as a job, if you're getting paid for it, fine. I can understand your passion for it on that level, if it's something that you're getting paid for. 
But if you're not getting paid for it, then it's just a game, okay? If you don't have sponsors, if you're not getting a paycheck or anything like that, it's just a game. It's for fun. Kind of keep, people have to not lose sight of that. And I, I feel that people should be accountable in video games. And I'm hoping that tracking technology comes around that allows people to be tracked for when they do malicious stuff in games to ruin it for other people. I think it's something that should be dealt with. And you're going to bring out a whole bunch of different types when it comes to video games. Because video games can scale depending on, of course, on the ability of the actual person playing the game. If you have a deficiency for hand-eye coordination and quick study and can pick up stuff and anticipate certain things, then yes, you can actually get ahead. And some people who might not benefit in real-world sports or any sort of real-world activities might just excel when it actually comes to a keyboard and mouse and the hand-eye coordination and dominating in that. So, you know what? Even that little wimpy guy that never got picked for the actual uh, teams when it came to gym could be dominating when it comes to video games. And they, they should shine for that. They should shine for that. And thankfully enough, there is a thing called esports now. So, you know what? You can either be an athlete on the football team or you can actually be an esports athlete when it comes to video games. It's a thing now. You can get paid for it. But as far as the pros and cons go, there's a lot of benefits to video games. Everything from people that have mobility issues when it comes to real life, which allow them to actually experience certain things when it comes to a video game. And I mean, that's a benefit. Also help brains relearn, help people with their anxiety, help people with their social skills, help people with a whole bunch of different things. But Unfortunately, there's also the negative. Some people get addicted to games. They don't put a limit on games. They don't pace themselves with games. And they have a tendency to, to get too far with games and get addicted to them. Remember, at the end of the day, gaming is supposed to be fun. No matter what it is, it's a game. A game is supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to be fun. Don't lose sight of that when you're playing that video game. Okay? Like... I've been gaming since 77, longer than most gamers have been alive today that I play with. And I play games, and I've been competitive. I've been on world first teams. I have been in some of the top um, clans, groups, guilds, whatever, uh, in different formats, different games over the years, over my lifetime. And I know from firsthand experience how much work it is. I used to spend 16 plus hours a day on average, and that wasn't when I was actually looking for progression. When I was looking for progression, I'm lucky if I got any sleep at all. But when it came to progression, I was up for days on end. And eventually that takes a toll on the body. It takes a toll on the body, it takes a toll on the mind. You have to keep that in mind. So limit your gameplay. Game it responsibly. If you don't game responsibly, it's going to catch up with you. I've heard too many horror stories about people losing their life because their body got completely worn out or they were drinking too many caffeinated drinks and, you know, their heart couldn't take it anymore and they collapsed because of it. Limit your gameplay. Remember, it's supposed to be fun, folks. If you're meant to be there, if you're going to be in the world first, are you going to be on those teams that are sponsored and get a paycheck? That takes a lot of work and dedication and right timing, right place, right people. Don't kill yourself trying to get to that point. If you're going to be there, you're going to get there. But 
don't lose track of real life. A game is a game is a game. You're not getting a paycheck for it and completely ruining yourself for 10 years trying to get that paycheck. If you haven't hit it in the first three, you might want to look at a different career <laughs> or talk to people that are in the industry, figure out if there's any shortcuts to get to where you want if you want to be a professional gamer full time. Some people just luck into it. And then some people luck into it, take their shining moment and spin it off into something else. Look at people like Ninja. The guy's not much of anything. And now he's yelling at his, 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 his followers and his viewers. But, you know, I look at these people and I'm like, okay, they look nice in front of a camera, I guess. I don't know. But they took their shining moment and they ran with it. But I don't know. I just, just keep in mind, it's a game. Keep in mind to have fun with it. Amongst all else, have fun with it. So there you go. Let's move forward a little more on this. I covered the pros and cons on that, but I want to go into the evolution of gaming and where we think it's going to go. I mean, what's going to be next for the gaming industry? I mean, it appears that the next innovation appears, possibly the next innovation appears to be virtual reality or VR gaming, which has been attempted before by companies like Nintendo. I mean, the company released Virtual Boy console in 1995, which was pretty much a flop. It really was. I mean, consoles could also continue to improve and now incorporate far more than just game playing abilities. They've evolved into entertainment hubs, allowing you to watch live TV, access applications to watch movies, and even access your social media accounts. So it's like an all-in-one type box. I mean, gaming has clearly grown far beyond turtle stomping plumbers and dig dug. I mean, the industry's ever-expanding reach continues to draw new fans and converts. It's, I mean, VR is definitely something that's been tried, but it's, the question is, is where is it going to go? I mean, is it, is, it, is it there? I mean, I know they're incorporating AI more, artificial intelligence. It's become incredible on how well the machines learn to think and, and like humans, like the players that they're playing against. In video games, AI is teaching itself to be unpredictable because most players are actually looking at a pattern and following the pattern in order to beat something. But if you incorporate AI, it's going to outsmart the humans because there's no longer a pattern. I mean, AI, though has so much potential if it's not who you're playing against or what you're playing against in an actual game and also benefits to the development. I mean, game developers are experimenting with using AI to create video games that evolve automatically based on the player feedback. I mean, for example, an AI algorithm can respond to a player's choices to quickly and automatically develop new challenges, characters, worlds, and elements in a game, creating levels and challenges for players to explore. Think about that. It's not the same game for everybody. It changes based on the player. That would be very interesting when it comes to, to video games. An ever-developing video game, because AI is rewriting the rules as it goes along, I think that's kind of neat. I mean, back to what I mentioned before about the future of VR, well, VR has been tried. I mean, the future of VR is promising. You know, an area of potential growth is education. Some medical schools, for example, already use high-quality virtual reality or VR to help students immerse themselves in simulated surgical, uh, surgical 
experiences without risk of life, which is great. While VR is relatively new, the Oculus Rift, the HTC Vive, the PlayStation's PSVR all launched in 2016. It's already resurrected a classic video game experience going to the arcade. I mean, VR arcade... Um, arcades give players room to play without harming themselves and turning gaming into, you know, into a social affair. I mean, I don't know. VR can still make a comeback. I still think it's something that has a market. I think it's still something that they could possibly still do. I don't see why they, they couldn't do it. I mean... VR can still come back. If you incorporated VR and AI, I think that would be kind of interesting. I don't know. I mean, next generation consoles, I mean, gaming has reached a, a, a lot of new audiences and thanks to trends such as you know, mobile game users, distribution, digital models, and cloud gaming in response, the primary gaming console manufacturers have embraced that change by introducing next generation consoles that enables players to use physical and digital games. I mean, it's interesting to try to cater to the market, cater to the gamers, and they're doing what they can. But what are we looking at as far as, you know, forget about the hardware. I mean, they can meet the demand of the hardware, but what about the next level of things? Oh, what was the other thing um, that I was reading about something? It wasn't VR. It was like augmentation. That was it. Augmentation. If you could incorporate VR and augmentation, I think that would be kind of interesting. That would be, I think, a whole different, different way to get into things. I don't know. Incorporate some real life with the whole VR, with the augmentation, with the sensors and everything else, so you're actually actively moving which in, in is actually taking you through the game as well now they, they've done this they have technology like this it's a little cumbersome but if they evolve on that a little more i think it's going to be a lot more than just sitting with a joystick in your hand in the future or a keyboard and mouse i think it's going to be more involved i think they're actually going to get people to actually get physically involved in incorporating itself in vr and the high tech side of things when it comes to gaming It'd be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw real life sports be changed up from the um, the real world stuff into a kind of a VR world thing. I, I think that would possibly be something that we could see moving down the road. And this is just my opinion. This is what I think. But I think it's going to be um, a very virtual based. I don't know if it would be something like Tron. If any of you have watched Tron, it might be something along those lines. It's tough to say, but I think there's going to be more movement involved. Or it could go in the other way. It could be completely integration into your brain where it's not physical at all. It's just your brain doing all the gaming. That's a possibility as well. Who knows what will happen with gaming? I know it's becoming more and more of a mainstream thing. I know streaming when it comes to gaming seems to be a, a steady thing. People want to watch other people play video games now. It's not so much people play video games anymore. They want to watch other people play video games. Maybe to immerse themselves in the experience. I don't know. But I see a lot of that. And that might just be a, a standard thing now. If we get about Sunday Night Football, it's going to be, hey, <laughs> this guy here is going to 
fight this battle here and this game here tonight coming at you on Sunday night video games or whatever the case may be. Maybe sports be replaced by video games. Who knows? But I could see more of an entertainment industry coming into this as well. But hey, who knows what the future will bring? Technology keeps advancing. Technology keeps advancing. They are catering it to a lot of the gaming industry because the gaming industry never went anywhere. Whereas once upon a time they said it would. When I was growing up as a kid, they said it was a waste of time. Now it's a multi-billion, billion, almost trillion dollar industry that it's constantly growing. It's constantly out there and it's not stopping. Hey, video games can be fun. At the end of the day, just remember that they're a game. Have fun with them. There's a whole variety of any game you can think of, from simulators to RPGs to action to shooting to this to that. The game, it never stops. You have a complete selection. If you can think about it, it's probably a game for it. If you can think of a game that you would like to play, there's most likely a game for it. It really is crazy is how much is out there. I've done a lot of searching just on a whimsical idea. I'm like, hey, what if there's a game like this? Search for it. Guess what? There's a game like that. Most of the time you find it on Steam. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think gaming is interesting. I mean, I miss my Atari 2600. I miss the simplicity of it, but at the same time moving forward, I kind of like where it's at now. I know I'm addicted to some games because I've seen the evolution of some games. I've seen Counter-Strike, the evolution of that, when it first came out as a beta, as a, a, a separate little game add-on for Half-Life that somebody invented and I used to play it in its infancy, the very early alphas, if not going into the betas, I used to play it back then. And now that has become such a mainstream game. It's still played to this day. It's crazy. I remember back in 2004 when I started playing World of Warcraft. Guess what? I still play World of Warcraft. And I've been up and down the scale. I have been in high-end world-first raiding guilds. Over, over the course of that time period, I have been there. I have done that, and it's been interesting. But you want to be competitive, it's going to take a toll out of you. Keep that in mind. If you're young, do it then. I'd say anywhere in your 20s or 30s. Don't lose sight of real life, but that's when you give it your all when it comes to gaming if you want to do it competitively. Maybe you make it, maybe you don't. I know I've been there. I just chose real life once i hit the maximum i proved to myself hey i made it to the big time getting a paycheck okay yeah i'm done i can't do it anymore who knows maybe it's something for you maybe you'll take it to the next level whereas i chose to dive into real life some people stay when it comes to gaming and make it their whole life who knows you know what i'm gonna wrap this week's show up I want to talk about gay video games because it's been a very interesting journey for me personally, something I can relate to. I have seen the evolution of all this. It's been a very fascinating ride along the way, seeing it up to the way it is now. I don't do any console gaming anymore. I prefer my PC gaming. I'm happy with that. But to each their own. I, um, I, I think there's... I can't wait to see the next generation. When we start to get 2030, I can't wait to see the next generation of gaming. But it has come a hell of a long way, and uh, I'm glad I was here to see it. And I'm glad that I could prove those teachers and adults wrong when I was a kid. <laughs> when they said video games were a waste of time. No, I think they benefited me quite well. They've helped me through some tough times. Maybe they have for you as well. But at the end of the day, as I keep reminding you, it's just a game. Have fun. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to Get Off My Soapbox. I am your host, Mad Morgan. Please check out getoffmysoapbox.com for more information on this show and our daily 
show of Soapbox Daily. Check out our FAQ section. All the answers are there. And also we have contacts on there if you want to contact us for anything specifically. I've outlined it all on the actual website at getoffmysoapbox.com. Also on Twitter, but you'll find all those links on the website. I want to thank you very much for tuning in this week. If you only join us every week, I will see you next Wednesday for Get Off My Soapbox. If you listen to us Monday to Friday for our daily soapbox, Soapbox Daily, I will see you tomorrow morning for Soapbox Daily. Other than that, take care of yourself. Keep your integrity in check. I'm your host, Matt Morgan, and I will see you next episode. Bye for now. That's all for this episode of Get Off My Soapbox podcast. Appreciate you tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Mad Morgan, head over to getoffmysoapbox.com for links and details. Thank Thank you you for for listening. Don't forget to follow so you don't miss the next episode.